You're listening to Dance Tips for Adult Dancers, not those adult dancers. This podcast is for adults who currently or want to dance. It gives you insights, clues, tips and much more to help you level up a little more quickly. My name is Letitia Mooney and I'm your host. Welcome to the most amazing ride of your life. Hello and welcome to the foundation episode of Dance Tips for Adult Dancers. My name is Letitia Mooney, you heard that in the introduction, and a high-level view of what this podcast is all about. Now the first thing I, I need to be clear about, and it's something that a fellow dancer mentioned to me on the weekend when we finished class, actually, was that when you Google adult dancers or dance classes for adults or you know, resources for adult dancers, depending on your search settings, you will get a whole lot of unfavorable read sexual results. That's concerning, depending on who you are, can make it really difficult to get the information that you're after. And it's kind of the experience of all dancers, no matter who you are, that, you know, when you start looking for costuming ideas, for example, let's say you're in a commercial dance school or a hip-hop school or, you know, you're a belly dancer or something, um, you end up in the eBay sex stores buying sparkly booty shorts from them because, you know, that's apparently where most people wear them is in the bedroom. I prefer to wear sparkly booty shorts on stage. Um, That might just be me, but probably it's you too. So I decided... After talking to loads of dancers and having been a person who returned to dance when I was 30, and caveat, I'm old now, I'm turning 40 in February 2020, uh, I realised there actually is very little resourcing and support for adults who take their dance with a modicum of seriousness. And I say that as a dancer who works for a living, isn't a dance teacher, doesn't run a dance school, has never been a professional dancer, bailed out of dance when I was in puberty and didn't want to stand in a room full of other girls in, like, leotards. Um, And it just kind of was all awkward and gross and weird for me. So that was when I just stopped, left dance. And uh, that's probably the experience of a lot of people. So I'll tell you a bit about my background in dance and movement particularly. Uh, before I tell you about what this podcast is going to be all about, like that's the point of a foundation <laughs> podcast episode. So that's what I'm going to do. The, the, the first thing though is I want to tell you that this is not scripted. So if it's a bit rambly, that's kind of why. Um, but a bit about me first. So I'm in Adelaide in South Australia. I didn't grow up in a city. I came from a country town in Victoria where... Um, uh, my mum first took me to ballet class when I was two years old and I don't have very many memories actually of being a very, very young baby ballerina, but I have photos and the photos are amazing. So there are photos. I danced, I must have danced from when I was two until I was almost seven, I think, 
six or seven. And I say that because there are photos of me in my ballet uniform next to my baby sister, who's two years younger than me. She would have been maybe two years old in one of the photos, playing with my sparkly scarves and skirts and stuff while I was sitting there looking all pretty for the camera. So I was maybe four or five and um, I have, you know, cool little, uh, I don't know what those photocopiers are called. You know, the ones that printed everything in purple and smelled really weird that you loved when you were a kid. Purple printed programs, dance performance programs and all kinds of cool things um, among dancers who did end up in the Australian ballet. So, but then for some reason, the ballet teacher left the town and then there was no dance. So then there was no dance in my life after that until we got a new ballet teacher in the town and her name was Angela her and her sister Roberta came to the town and opened a new dance school. They were both ex-Oz, so they had been ballerinas at, you know, the highest level in Australia. And um, they were amazing. And I will never forget watching Roberta, like, do warm-ups with us. And she had the most incredible, long, long-ass red hair. And... The thing I remember most clearly is that when she hooked her hands behind her back and bent over forwards for a bit of a stretch, her knuckles would brush the floor. And I recall being nine years old, watching this woman do this, thinking, holy moly, I am never going to be able to do that. Which, you know, limiting beliefs much, Letitia. So I didn't go back into ballet when I was nine. I went into jazz ballet because... I loved all of the 80s dance pop film clips, Janet Jackson in particular. And uh, so that's kind of, that was my thing. Now, for some reason, in amongst all of this time that had elapsed, I had developed an absolute terror of the idea of performing without guidance, meaning without my teacher in front of me. And... Angela, my mum mentioned it to Angela, which I was kind of mad about because I didn't want anyone to know that I was scared, right? And Angela said to me, look, it's fine. A performance is just some choreography and choreography is easy because it's just a bunch of steps all put together and we learn the steps one at a time. So by the time you get to perform them, it's actually easy because you already know the steps and that's all the dance is, is just a bunch of steps linked together with some music. And it was a fantastic explanation, and I'm amazed I remember it. Uh, but I still also recall thinking, oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say, <laughs> right, <laughs> when I was nine. Uh, so I danced in jazz for ages, and I recall remembering the love of dance. What I also recall is that people not being so excited about the fact that I was dancing and that my dancing was kind of annoying to them because I was one of those kids that would like to dance in front of people. Um, so I kind of got like this weird vibe that it's okay to do the dancing thing. It's not okay to dance all the time around people who don't really give a fuck. Um, sorry for the language. That's kind of the scope of like adult podcast, right? Um, we can swear. It's fine. We're not doing dance podcasts for eight-year-old children. Um, so that... That was my personal experience. And then once I hit puberty and like got boobs and periods and stuff, 
it standing in a leotard in a classroom in front of people was actually one of the most horrifying things to me in my entire life. And I don't think I ever quite got over it because even now it's a real challenge for me just to stand in tights and a leotard without shorts and t-shirts and stuff. So there is that too. Nevertheless, movement has always been in my life. And from dance, I went into martial arts and I was a martial artist. And then in my 20s, after I left school, I should say, after I turned 17, I never danced again until I was 30. And um, that's partly because of the lifestyle I had, partly because of the scene I fell into, partly because of my partner at the time. And um, nonetheless, eventually circles come back around, yeah? And when I was around the age of 29, 30, when I was newly single, I had a friend who was an incredible belly dancer. She was incredible. Actually, she's an incredible person all around and I put her on a bit of a pedestal. Hi, Andrea. And um, she she badgered me to come to belly dance uh, for ages. In fact, I think she talked to me about it for a year. And then just to shut her up when she said, look, here's a week of classes for free. Just come and try it. Oh, my God, just come try it. I said, yes. So I went back to belly dance and thought, where has this been all my life? And I fell back in love with being a girly girl, which um, hadn't been for much of my life. Um, So I had bangles and bells and sparkle and scarves and, you know, jingly things and big pants and amazing colourful things and listened to percussion tracks in my off time and in my car. And I performed because in folk forms like belly dance, adults are encouraged to perform as early as possible. That's partly because it's an easier form to learn to some extent, but also because that's that's what dance is. It's a performative community kind of art. Um, so if you've never been to a belly dance hafler, find one, go to one, get drunk, dance with the dancers. It's amazing fun. Um, And so that was my entree back into the dance world. Then as I developed, I I started to wonder, how can I, how can I improve my footwork? What is going to be the thing that enables me to be more agile and to connect my brain a bit more quickly with the choreography and the different types of dance here? And my brain said, it's ballet. And so there I was trying to find Uh, ballet schools for grown-ups and it was terrifying and hard to do and the first night I went to a dance class for adults at Australian Dance Theatre in Adelaide. I sat out the front of the theatre for 20 minutes wondering what the hell am I doing here and it took all my courage actually to go in just that for that first class Then it required me to summon that courage again for the next three or four weeks. Um, But I did it and I've been doing it ever since. So that is my long and convoluted history. That, That return to this kind of dance is eight or nine years ago now. And in that time, I've discovered that dance schools are quite happy, many dance schools, in my experience in this part of Australia anyway. It may not be the same in your town or your country or whatever, but... 
in my experience, dance classes are kind of seen as an alternative to the gym. So you go and you do a bit of dance, but you don't actually really dance much. You'll be lucky to learn sequences over time. You will be extremely lucky if you have performance opportunities. Um, and especially in ballet, in commercial dance and hip hop and other forms, way easier to get on stage. Just saying, ballet, not so much. Um, so when I started, I crammed myself with information, as many dancers do. And I watched all the YouTube videos, subscribed to all of the channels, read all of the books, followed people like Monica Volkmar, who is an ex-dancer, now movement teacher and coach, um, do all, did all kinds of stuff, started reading about nutrition and getting obsessed about dancewear. Oh my God, you guys, dancewear, right? Um, and learning new ways of standing and thinking and being and understanding dance as therapy and all kinds of amazing, incredible stuff. One of the things I didn't have was a mentor. Podcasts weren't a big thing. There was just not many ways to connect and reach out and learn and generally level up. And um, so that is why I'm here today. That's a really long introduction. This podcast is, I hope, going to turn into a podcast that is going to be a little bit of inspo, little bit of tips and how-tos and development and thinking, little bit of how do we take what we learn in a dance class into our daily lives and vice versa. How do we benefit from that? Um, I've been talking to another dancer about doing like gear reviews and stuff because she loves to buy stuff and is really into that. So we'll have that kind of material on here too. Plus interviews, of course, with dance teachers and performing uh, professional dancers and anybody else that I can get my hands on. Um, within that, there is a huge scope, okay? So in dance, there is not just dance, but there is how do you fit dance into your life? How do you learn what dance is to you? And how do you make it a priority if that's what you want to do? How do you work that shit out? How do you take lessons from dance into your life and vice versa? What do you eat? How do you structure your days? How do you... Um, like, how do you deal with injury? What What is a good recovery protocol? How many times a year should you shout yourself a massage? Which is tricky if, like me, you're on a relatively low income for whatever reason because you put all your money into dance. So there's layers and layers and layers and layers of this stuff and that's kind of the scope of this podcast. There are very few podcasts on dance um, and I'm hoping that you will subscribe and, and join in and enjoy this podcast over time as we develop it and see where all of this goes. The next thing I need to point out is that this podcast isn't necessarily going to be just about ballet, even though that's mainly what I do. And even though that's mainly the community that I hang out in, there is also like there's ballet, there is jazz, there is contemporary dance, there is hip hop, there is commercial dance, there is um, all there are all kinds of forms of folk dance as well, and ballroom dancing and pole dancing and you know the works. 
Just because you're a pole dancer doesn't necessarily mean you're a pole dancer in a club, right? Loads of dancers who do all kinds of forms also do pole because pole is incredible for strength and um, shoulder injuries, <laughs> my understanding. Someone can correct me on that. Um, and flexibility. And there are lots of ways that you can mash all of the forms of dance together in to bring you the kind of dance life that you want for you. And so that's part of all of this journey too. I've known lots of people who have done contemporary dance and ballet and then being dragged to a pole class and never gone back to a ballet class again and spent all their life in a pole dance studio and vice versa. So, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. That's kind of the scope of this podcast. How many episodes, I guess, can you expect is the next thing. My goal is to produce two episodes a week. However, in the first six months, don't expect more than one a week. Uh, just because that's the way this goes. For at least the first season, you know, maybe the first seven or eight podcasts, there is going to be a real focus on actually going in the first the first four weeks or first four or five weeks of going to a dance class. How do you deal with that yourself? How do you continue to learn? What are some strategies that you can do that are going to help you? Because quite frankly, if you go to a ballet class in particular for the first time, it's all French, man. Like it's nearly all in French. And so you're not just learning how to stand and how to breathe and how to move. You're learning what things are. What are the moves called? How do I relate that to my body? How do I remember sequences? How do I, how do I build the type, specific type of physique that I require in order to do this without embarrassing myself? It's not even a matter of being good, right? You just want to go there and not be a complete embarrassment. That's where we all start. And um, so I'm going to start there and probably contrast with a few different types of dance class and what those beginner classes are really like. Uh, because if you're just thinking right now about what that might be like, that's going to be your biggest concern. How do I go to these classes without looking like a wanker? Um, and that's really the biggest thing to overcome. So... There is a huge scope in this podcast. I am super excited. You can probably tell. I have been canvassing my fellow dancers for topics and things they want to learn and the types of coverage that they would really appreciate in a podcast. Loads of it is on tips. And so there is going to be heaps of tips. And um, but in amongst that, we're going to keep it, change it up, maybe do some reviews and all kinds of stuff. So there you go. That is episode 00, foundation for the daily, oh, sorry, dance tips for da adult dancers. I nearly said daily tips. I don't think I'm quite there yet. But you know, you know, two years, you never know. Um, I hope that you get excited about this. This episode is being released in November 2019. The first lot of episodes aren't going to be launched. Um until January 2020. So that's going to give us some time to get all of our ducks in a line. But in the meantime, I wanted you to be excited to, to join in. Hit the subscribe button if you want to join in and follow us along. 
If you get excited about it in the first couple of podcast episodes, that's the time where you want to review it. You don't review this episode. Like, that would be silly. And um, tell all your friends, all your dance friends, all your dance studios. Tell everyone because that's what we want to see is a movement and a community of dancers helping each other out, which is really what this is all about. So thank you for joining me for this first really long 20-minute episode uh, of dance tips for adult dancers and I hope that you choose to join me for the ride. Ciao.